Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. You know, our friend Troy Hunt seems to be everywhere lately. No kidding. Security breaches keep happening, and Have I Been Pwned is busier than ever. And now Troy is headlining two special NDC security shows. That's right. The folks that make the NDC conferences in Oslo, London, and Sydney are making two new shows. One on the Gold Coast, April 29th to May 1st, and the other in New York City, May 13th to 14th. Hey, that's my backyard. Mm-hmm. Well, the focus of both shows is security, of course. On the Gold Coast, there are workshops by Troy Hunt and Scott Helm, plus a one-day conference. And in New York, there are two workshops, one by Troy and the other by our friend Brock Allen. So if you want to up your security game in Australia, go to ndcsecurity.com.au to register. And if New York is more your speed, go to ndcsecuritynyc.com. And tell them Carl and Richard sent you. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. Still in London. It's March, and we're still in London. What is wrong with us? We're never leaving. We like it here. It's not true. No, it's not true. We record more than one show in a day. Yeah, we recorded four today, three yesterday, four Mm -hmm. tomorrow. Yep. That's why we're still here. That's... Yep. Looking forward to dinner tomorrow night. We're going to a place in Soho called Zelman Meats. (sighs) What do they sell there? Meat. I was taken uh, there for lunch a few days ago and uh, was just blown away. You're going to love it, buddy. It'll be great, I'm sure. Yep. All right. Let's uh, roll the crazy music for Better Know a Framework. All right, dude, what do you got? So this is a web application framework called ASP.NET Boilerplate. Okay. A strong infrastructure for modern web applications. And so basically it's based on DDD layers. Okay. So you've got a presentation layer, an application layer, a domain layer, and an infrastructure layer. And uh, it's it's quite complete. Uh, I was, I'm surprised I had never heard of this, but apparently... The ASP.NET team loves it and uh, have been, I guess it's been around for about five or six years. Wow. There's, uh, How have we not heard about this? I don't know. Yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of amazing. So I just found out about this. I don't know too much about it, but everybody seems to love it. And where have we been? Sorry, guys. Go check it out. ASP.NETBoilerplate.com. And uh, good luck. Awesome. Yeah. So who's talking to us, Richard? Grabbed a comment off of show 1590, the one we did on uh, with Dan Chambers back in October of 2018. Mm-hmm. Where we were talking, that was down in NDC, Sydney. Yeah. We talked about coding functionally using both F-sharp and Haskell. Right. Just sort of talking about the relationship between the two. And, you know, you can perfectly capable of building services in Haskell. Right. No big deal. So, great, great conversation. And this comment comes from Per Eric Stendhal, who's a long-time listener. Mm. Got a few comments from him. And uh, he said, did I just listen to an entire episode about F-Sharp and Haskell didn't hear the word monad a single time? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> That's not right. It's like monad, monad, monad. Do you feel better? Okay. I've played around a little with F-Sharp, and it has some cool features I miss in C-Sharp, like pipes and discriminating unions. It also has some uncool features, like requiring everything to be declared before use in alphabetical order. And the support is a bit wonky for some object-oriented features in .NET. Type inference is cool, but it turns IntelliSense into, I don't know what is this nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) 
and I can't remember the APIs I worked with last week, although I can still recite some APIs that I used in my 20s. Mm. Thanks for that, Brain. Yeah. Uh, I like functional programming, but it's not for everyone. A creative functional programmer can easily write up some very terse code with many tiny layers of abstractions, making you wish longingly for those C programs with their simple pointers to arrays of pointers. <laughs> yeah, it's nice and terse code that you could write. You just can't read it. You're like, what was I thinking? C has sometimes been called a write-only language. There you go. Yeah. I once wrote a small piece in JavaScript and Angular that was five lines of code where each line returned a function or a promise that returned a function. Mm. It was short, to the point, and absolutely marvelous, but I realized that it was also 100% debug proof. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, if it didn't work, there was nothing you were going to be able to do about it. Right. No one would understand how it worked, including me, one week later. It was beautiful, <laughs> but mysterious. I called it. Mona Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck was I doing here? Yeah, I've had that experience. Well, I just think it's one of the interesting parts of programming, too. Mm -hmm. It's like that readability of code and being able to recall intent and so forth. I think right. it's, it, you know, it doesn't matter what styles, what techniques, any of these languages. You really do have to simply think in the terms of someday you're going to have to look at this again. Step one, don't call your variables A, B, mm -hmm. C, yeah, it's a good one. I, J. Mona Don't Lisa. Do that. And, uh, and yeah. But terseness, not a, I mean, terseness could also be clarity. Yeah. And I think that's part of the challenge of it. But right. uh, we'll dig into this some more uh, mm -hmm. with Anthony in a minute. So, Per, thank you so much for your comment. A copy of Music to Code By is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Code By, write a comment on the website at donnetrocks.com or via any of the social media, although we actually only publish shows now to Facebook. Mm. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music to Code By. And definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. And uh, send us a tweet. And that's enough of that. Okay. <laughs> Just saying. That'd be quite enough of that. <laughs> Now, since the tweet now. I love British sensibility, you know, yeah. language. It's yeah. just like the way they say things can just mean so much. Good day, sir. Good day, sir. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay. Let's bring on Anthony Brown again. Uh, Anthony is a consultant at Compositional IT, where he helps companies understand the benefits of functional programming in .NET and how it can be applied to the cloud. Welcome back, Anthony. Thank you for having me on again, Rich and Carl. It's been no, a couple welcome. of years. It has, has been. been a couple of years, yeah. yeah. yeah that happens. Yeah, time right. goes by. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've got, I mean, last time we talked, you were talking about uh, building a search engines in Azure, which I thought was very cool. Mm. How did you end up on the functional part of the side of the world? Like, what happened to you? <laughs> so a few years ago, I was at my local user group down in Southampton, mm -hmm. and one of the organizers there had been to the progressive F-Shop tutorials in London. Nice. And I'd sat next to him during one of the sessions that he was uh, organizing, and throughout the entire thing, he was just sat there in my ear like, that'd be like four lines of F-Shop. That'd be like four <laughs> lines of F-Shop. We could totally get rid of all that. It's like, that could be really short in F-Shop. And hmm. I decided one day, like, it'd be nice if I could save my fingers yeah. and not have to type as much. So right. I started giving F-Sharp a go and just fell in love with the language. And hmm. since then, it's been like trying to use it as much as possible. And hmm. like two years ago, creating search engines in F-Sharp and now yeah. through to full web apps in F-Sharp as well. Wow. That's very cool. Do you feel there's anything you can't do? Not right now. I'm sure there'll be something yeah. one day, but so far I've not hit anything that 
Well, that's what that's why you have two languages, right? I mean, you do everything you can in F sharp, and whatever you can or don't want to do, you do in C sharp, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Some places F sharp's a great fit. Some places C sharp's a much better fit. As well. mm-hmm. Yeah. And certainly in that search engine conversation you were talking about, like the structure of F sharp really lends itself to that kind of work. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's sort of a very structured, very progressive flow through what you're actually needing to do. It's a lot of very step oriented code. Mm, nice. And when you're talking things like search engines, which are used by millions of people worldwide, you want it to be able to scale up nice and quickly and nice and easily. And when you've got things like F sharp with its immutability, it makes it a lot, lot easier. So let's talk about SafeStack. I know that this is, I just took a cursory look at it and it's an end-to-end, functional-first stack for cloud-ready web development that emphasizes type-safe programming, and it uses F-sharp, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's a lot of words on the website that say, we want to make it as easy as possible for people to write their web applications, regardless of where they run, mm. entirely in F-sharp. Yeah. So we want to make it easy to not only use F-sharp right in the back end on your server, but we yeah. want to make it easy to do F-sharp directly in the browser, and even like idiomatic F-sharp in the browser. Oh, wow. We'll just put that on the stack <laughs> for a minute. Um, so if you're just a C-sharp developer and, not, and new to F-sharp, would this be a really good way to learn F-sharp because you are putting it into practical use right away? Yeah, yeah. Like within the F-sharp world, there's been a lot of resources that are like, how you go from hello or how you get to hello world right, in F sharp. Right. Yeah. But beyond that, there's not been as many like fully featured, right. broader scale yeah. projects. How do I write a service? How do I write a, exactly, you know, a yeah. get handler, a REST service, whatever? Yeah. So with the safe stack, that makes it a lot easier. There's things like .NET templates as well. So you can just do .NET new safe and within a couple of seconds, you've got a full end to end your hello world's basically working at that point. <laughs> exactly, yeah. On the web. Yes, yeah. Awesome. But now, I mean, let's start with the server side because I bet the client side is going to be the whole show. Yeah, Because <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody's pretty comfortable with, with F-sharp on the server mm-hmm. as, as a service caller. But in terms of, I mean, this is working with IIS, like what's the, the sort of back-end piece look like? Yeah, so the S in safe stands for Saturn. So Saturn is a like configuration library that sits on top of this framework library type thing called Giraffe. So typically, if you were writing your web applications in ASP.NET, you'd have like your thing controller, which inherits from some other MVC controller. Right. In F-sharp, though, that's not the idiomatic way. Mm. We want to build everything up from functions and compose everything together using what might look like crazy operators to some people, but once you get the hang of it, you start to get used to it. And so that's what Giraffe provides there. And then Saturn, a nice little configuration layer on top to remove a lot of the potential pain points that you might have if you're coming into it from sort of C-sharp or non-F-sharp world. Okay. And I'm I'm just looking at the docs here, but it's it's an MVC framework too? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So it's also got abstractions for dealing with like if you've got objects within your database and you want to do CRUD operations on them, it uses F-sharp specific features to make that as easy as possible. Nice. nice. Yeah, and I got to imagine some of those great things that fun- functional is good at, like searching, is uh, is going to be a heck of a lot easier. And there must be templates for 
a lot of that stuff too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Saturn itself has got a really great ecosystem surrounding it. Yeah, there's a lot of additional plugins for working with other open source libraries, so yeah. data access. And because it's all written in F Sharp, you can use all the other F Sharp tooling as well mm. that makes that stuff so much easier. You know, you can use things like type providers, so you get your right. configuration from your database, and you get all those types for all your database tables automatically. World dot everything. Yes, exactly. <laughs> when it, when we when we first proposed the idea, let's do a show around this. The first thing that hit me was this felt like phoenix from the erlang world mm. it's like here it's you've got this functional space and things are a little bit different and mm. so it's good to sort of put together a kit that says all right so you want to build a website here are all the bits yeah it's, is so, there a relationship there saturn which was christoph Sieslek's mm -hmm. project and i have probably said his name completely wrong and i'm very <laughs> sorry to him if that is the case mm. but a lot of the inspiration from or for saturn came from Phoenix and the Elixir style of development, I think. Wow. So there might be some overlap in the way things are done. Mm. But since it's just the abstraction layer, if you don't quite like that abstraction, you can always just drop down to the giraffe layer and do everything in a more functional style as well. Nice. Nice. So the S in safe is Saturn. What's the A? So the A. That's either Azure or AWS. It depends who you ask. Uh, nice one. <laughs> okay, great. So, it. But it's sort of intended for cloud then? Yeah. But yeah. is it required? You could run this on-prem, i got to imagine. Yeah, you can run this entirely on-premise. Within the safe template, we've actually got like a deployment option. So you can say, how do I want to deploy this? And you've got a few options. There's either none at all. So I'll bring that in myself. You've got Azure. So it does things like generate all the Azure Resource Manager templates. The build scripts interact with Azure AD as well, so you can deploy locally from your machine straight into Azure without having to do all that weird and wonderful setup within Azure AD to add new applications. Mm -hmm. There's also things like Docker deployment. So if you set it nice. up with a Docker deployment, it'll generate all the Docker files you need, publish it all up into a Docker container. And in the past few days, we've actually seen somebody implement uh, Google Cloud Platform support as nice. well. Nice. It's, it's Kubernetes. And the Kubernetes is everywhere. Exactly, so, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it beautiful. It's just like, ah, it took a few days. There we are. You can <laughs> run that container too. Well, that means, I mean, if it's running in Kubernetes, it means also another on-premises on solution. Yeah. Really yeah. not that painful to do. So this is your project? It, it started a few years ago. Um, we sort of looked at the way we were writing web applications, and we went and talked to a few other people in the F-sharp world. And they were writing them in similar ways, using similar tools. Mm. And we said, well, why not let's sit down together and try and pool our resources together and make like a really nice end-to-end -end experience as mm. well for people who are either new to F-Sharp or have already got that F-Sharp experience, but want to embrace like modern web application development. Yeah, yeah that's great. So have we uh, exhausted everything on the server side? Uh, what's the F? I was just going to mention one more thing on the server side. <laughs> All right. So the great thing about the giraffe side of things is because it's ASP.NET Core under the hood, you can still use that entire ASP.NET Core ecosystem that already exists. That's so great. So you can use it wherever you can run ASP.NET Core. Which is just about everywhere. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much everywhere. Okay. And the E? Oh, the E in safe, that's Elmish. So 
You Elmish. Know, will you guys stop making up weird names like <laughs> Fulma, Fable, Elmish? You're, we're just running out of nouns. This is the problem. Now it's, we have to make them up. We're just chaining letters together at yeah. this point. But you know what? I mean, uh, if you think about it from an English language point of view, some of these name, you know, crazy names that people make up are actually, if they aren't words, they will be words in the, well, in they the are, language. Well, yeah, they are now. Right. Elmish. What is Elmish? So Elmish is Elm-like. Um, so I don't know if you uh, guys have seen <laughs> the Elm programming sure, language. yeah. But the architecture that Elm uses with this model view update under the hood. Mm. Elmish is a library that allows you to do that in F sharp as well. Ah. So there's things like an Elmish React if you want to do it within your web browser. Mm. Um, one of the things that Don's been working on recently as well is Elmish. Don Syme, yes. The F sharp guy. The F sharp guy. Um, one of the things that Don Syme's been working on is Elmish for Xamarin Forms applications as well. Oh my Interesting. God. Right, because he's over in the Xamarin team these days, isn't he? He is, yeah. Yeah. You know what? I just, now I feel a little Elmish. <laughs> I think you get a cream for that. I think so. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, I sort of get what's going on here on the back end, right? Yeah. Very declarative, yeah. right? Piece by piece, a bunch of services. Like, and it's ASP.NET or In the end, just writing in, in F Sharp. You do it in your containers, you do it in Azure services, wherever you want, right? Yeah, exactly that. We want people to use it wherever they want to use it. Yeah. And we're even quite careful in saying you don't have to use everything. You know, if you just want to use sure. a Fable and Elmish front end, yeah. go for it. If yeah. you already got your TypeScript, your JavaScript, your Elm, whatever in your front end, the SA side of safe mm -hmm. can be a nice way to approach the back end problem. But I would presume the client side is JavaScript. The client side is JavaScript, yeah. Right. But we use Fable to compile our F sharp code down into JavaScript. Nice. So it's a transpiler. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. And there, therein lies the F, right? Yeah. It's like you're using the transpiling effects. So technically you're coding in F sharp. It's just landing as JavaScript. Exactly. Yeah. So Fable is this incredible F sharp to JavaScript transpiler and under the hood, that all uses Babel as well. Right. So, okay, Babel. Tell me about Babel. <laughs> so we can take this really like impressive F sharp AST, hand it over to Babel. AST? Oh, abstract syntax abstract syntax, syntax tree. tree. Yeah. To describe what our code is actually looking like. Mm -hmm. We pass that over to Babel. And because Babel's already been used for yeah, you know, hundreds of projects before. Oh, sure. Okay, now I remember Babel. Yeah, yeah we like, did a show like, on it. Like, yeah, like Babel Fish. Right. Although I, I would say Babel, but uh, okay. that's, that's yeah. where my... Yeah, okay. All right, so that does the transpiling to JavaScript, and it makes sense because JavaScript is functional, right? Yeah, and yeah. So the translation shouldn't be that difficult. Yeah, and because it's using Babel under the hood, it's targeting whatever browsers Babel can. Like right. there's no need for us to go through and create a million and one different ways of handling how to do add in right. different browsers or whatever. ES six or ES five. Yeah, like you exactly. get rid of all those problems. Now I get it. Fable, Fable. Fable. It's like Babel Fable. with an F. There you go. I get it. Fable. All right, Fulma is another one I see in here. What's Fulma? F-U-L-M-A. So Fulma, following the trend of changing the first letter of right. a project right. to F. Um, comes from Bulma, 
which is kind of like um, if you use Bootstrap, where it provides you with all these CSS classes mm -hmm. to build up a template, somebody's ported that across from CSS into F-Shop. So you end up with this abstraction where you're using F-Shop functions to build up HTML, which has already got your CSS classes on. So Do you guys stop at nothing? I mean, that's <laughs> insane. We that want, is so cool. We want to get type safety everywhere. Yeah. Nice. Sure. If it fails at compile time, it's the best time to fail. You're happy. So the end result is you can build a world-class web application with four lines of F-sharp code. I'm not sure we're quite at that level yet, but maybe that I should be the this. object. I can do this in four lines. I said the bar a little high. <laughs> I can do that in four lines. No problem. Sharp it's going to be fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> we're all fine. Man. Okay. I'm impressed. All right. So look, what does the coding cycle look like? That's like the impressive thing. I think a lot of people have contributed to uh, SAFE and the JavaScript and backend side of things. Typically, you know, when you're writing some code up, you'll type some code and then you'll either hit debug or press F5 or whatever. You might add a few breakpoints, mm -hmm. wait for it to load. Right. It hits there and then you go, okay, that's why that's a problem. Right. Change that line. Then you go through the whole thing again. Yeah. With us having like .NET Core now, mm -hmm. which has got all the .NET Watch things built in. Yes. And because on the front end, we're entirely integrated within Webpack as well. Mm. We can use the plugins that Webpack offers that are things like hot module reloading and live reload as well. Okay. So the typical process for a lot of developers in F-Sharp now is to just start your build script running and then just hack away your changes. Mm. So anytime you make a change, it's just going to reload your application state and you can just make really iterative changes every time. And you just get a browser open, you're refreshing and... Exactly. The changes yeah. And because of the way that Elmish works, it's got some really nice features that allow us to basically just change the bits of the application that have changed mm -hmm. without actually changing the state of the application. So you're, are you telling me I'm mid filling in a form? I see a flaw. I go and make a change to the code, hot update, refresh the page, form data stays intact, keep going. Yeah, exactly that. So let's say you're filling in a form and you decide actually this field wants to be capitalized as right. we're adding the information in there. You go back into your code, make the change to say capitalize this field, go back into your web application. It's reloaded, but it's not reloaded the state. Right. So you're exactly where you were before. Any changes you now make are all based on the new code that's running. Right. Hmm. With the text that I already typed into that text box now pop to uppercase. Depends on how you implement yeah, it, but yeah. potentially, yeah. <laughs> Just thinking that make a great demo. Oh, we should change this. Oh, look, it's already fixed. Okay, let's keep right. going. So, yeah, that it's a, it's another flavor of sort of edit and continue. That you just yeah, you really, yeah. you're in such a short cycle that you don't mind just tinkering. Yeah, it's really nice when you just want to like hack on a bit of a solution. You've got an idea of how it's going to work, sure, but you don't quite have that picture in your head yet. So you just make a change. Does that look right yet? No, no, I need to make another change. Mm. And it's a really quick process to just say, what would happen if I did this? Right. Rather than, I hope this is right because it's so five hard minutes to do. For, yeah. yeah. Each iteration is so costly. Yeah. So um, code sharing, 
seamlessly share F-sharp between client and server. So you, you do create domain models that exist on the client and server. I get that because you can write, you don't have to write JavaScript, so you don't have to write your models twice, which is nice. Um, but uh, without having to worry about serial, serialization, so in other words, that's all hidden from you. So when you think about things like uh, JSON serialization, yeah. with F-sharp, you've got specific types that don't really map onto objects within JSON. Okay. You know, when you've got things like discriminated unions, where you're saying this is either A, B, or C, right. it doesn't have like a class hierarchy that you could easily serialize right. into JSON. So there's been quite a few json serializers written over the years where people have tried to get a really nice experience in there mm. and so we've embraced that fully and brought in the best possible solutions for json okay. that already exists so it's a case of just going i need this thing on my client and this thing on my server and they can send it backwards and forwards oh, without nice. too much difficulty and the, and you don't really have to explicitly do serialization deserialization it just sort of happens yeah exactly that that's great so th with the library that's used for json serialization you can either choose to do everything automatically and say i want you to infer what's best for me or if you're dealing with some really awkward json you know somebody's manage to hack it around a bit and mm -hmm. do something that doesn't quite look right, you can mm. start to create your own like JSON encoders and decoders wow. using the library as well. You know, every time we talk to a guest about F-sharp, I'm like, yeah, this time I'm going to get in there and do it. This sounds so good. And then I never do. Yeah. Dad Carl. It's still, a, it is, there's a hurdle to jump over here about the way, mm. I'm, I mean, we've talked about this before, about F-sharp for C-sharp developers, and just this, the way that you think in C-sharp of the, you know, that sort of object mindset, you could make it work in F-sharp, but it's not good F-sharp code. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a case of just knowing how to read it, yeah. I think. Mm. I mean, coming back to the comment at the start of the show, yes. there was the comment of, you can really easily write code in F-sharp, but you might not necessarily understand what it's doing yes. a bit later. Yeah, yeah. I'm the exact same with C-sharp now. Oh. I can look at some C-sharp and go, okay, I think I know what that's doing, hmm. but it's not like immediately obvious. Sure. Hmm. So with F-sharp though, for me, it's like I can start to see the code and go, okay, I know exactly what this sure. is doing. So it, it does feel like you get your brain calibrated into sort of functional mode and various functional languages of which F-sharp is only one are more relatable than the object-oriented, strongly typed, uh, you know, inher in, inherited type languages like C-sharp and, the, and their ilk. I almost wonder if we can only hold one style in a head at a time. I kind of think of it like actual alphabets right yeah between languages. cyrillic and latin alphabets yeah hmm. yeah it's really easy for me to read english-based languages yes but i'm currently learning a non-latin alphabet language at yeah. the minute and just the jump between that oh dude is i remember yeah. somebody in bulgaria writing out an address for me in cyrillic and i so i have it and but i have to hold it up to the street sign and say are these the same symbols because yeah. my Mind does not generalize the symbology of Cyrillic alpha characters. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. That reminds me, are we going to a pectopot tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love that, that correlation that as soon as I change the alphabet, 
things are fundamentally different. I think yeah. functionally you just think differently. So it, I'm, I would really wonder if it's like you, you just can't. I maybe somebody can be good at multiple versions. No, that's, of this. It, we're all good at it. I mean, it's just another abstraction, right? Mm-hmm. It's like learning notate music notation or um, you know, learning a, a programming language for the first time, like you like C sharp, for example, or C. You have to learn the operators. You have to learn all that stuff. It's completely doable, but you're right. It, it's going to take some time for it to sink in. But once, like any other abstract model, once you get those things down, you do it a bit, yeah. you just become good at it. And yeah. I think it's a case of familiarity as well. You know, I've got that C-sharp knowledge from when I was working on C-sharp in mm-hmm. the back of my mind somewhere. Yeah. So I'm sure if I did sit down and think, how do I do good C-sharp? It does take it's, time to it's sort of going to come in. back, but I've got right. to spend that time looking into it. We've also had the conversation with folks who are saying, like, you can write quite functional C sharp. Mm-hmm. It's not as default behavior, but if you're thinking functionally, C sharp doesn't necessarily block you. It doesn't block you, but it doesn't make it easy either. Yeah, I'm totally, you know, I totally buy ca- that. Yeah, it's a case of you could spend all this time trying to write functional C sharp, yeah. but at the end of the day you're just going to end up in a lot of pain for yourself right. and for everybody else who then yeah, has to come has in to and read, read the thing. And, I, right. and I, I think it's one of the reasons I appreciate about Per's particular comment was this whole, hey, legibility matters. But that doesn't mean you should write bad functional code because you think it's more legible. I think people who are thinking functionally will find functional code legible. Yeah, yeah I mean, you yeah. can, you you got obviously can pass delegates around in actions and all that stuff, but you have to construct them. Sure. Yeah. And they yeah. have to be based on the interface that you're doing it. It's not just there. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, guys, hold that thought for just a moment while we pause for this very important message. This episode of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Datadog, a monitoring and analytics platform combining infrastructure monitoring, application performance monitoring, and log management into a one-stop shop. Datadog helps leading companies migrate to the cloud, transform to a microservices architecture, and transition from .NET to .NET Core. Their distributed tracing and APM provide end-to-end visibility into requests wherever they go, across hosts, containers, and service boundaries. See for yourself. Start a 14-day free trial, and Datadog will send you a free T-shirt. Visit dd.netrocks.com to get started. All right, and we're back. It's .NET Rocks. I'm Carl Franklin. That's Richard Campbell, and that's Anthony Brown. We're talking safe stack, functional web programming in .NET. And, uh, man, this this looks really cool. Uh, we talked about the server side. We talked a little bit about the client side and, and moving data and uh, code between, you know, the, the code sharing. What haven't we talked about? That's just re- ridiculously cool. So I think the other great thing about Safe is because we've now got this end-to-end story of here's everything you need to make a great F-sharp web app, mm. it's meant that we've been able to put together a lot more really interesting samples as well. Ah. You know, Because we've now got a front-end and a back-end, mm-hmm. we're able to put together a full cohesive story of here's what makes a great Safe app. Mm. So once you've done that Hello World in an F-sharp console app to Hello World in a safe app. We've then got a few examples that take you through to a bit bigger uh, safe apps as well. Have you made North Winds for safe? <laughs> <laughs> One thing that um, I want to go back to that you talked about before was sort of a CSS in F-sharp. Yeah. And, you know, CSS is hard enough, man. Now you're going to put F-sharp on top of that. 
I mean, does that make it easier to do CSS if you already know F sharp? You still have to know what your what object values you're setting and all that. Yeah. So I think when I say it lets you do CSS in F sharp, it's more if you imagine like a bootstrap navbar, you know, a navbar can have a whole bunch of items related to it. Right. So we've tried to build up those abstractions. So you've got oh, okay. UI components rather than your dedicated oh, CSS in F sharp. I see. So you can still use things like SAS or CSS Good. within Safe as well. But if you're not a front end dev, mm. you know, you've just come from the back end side and you need to get something up and running that looks pretty nice, mm. not, you know, award winning, but still looks pretty nice. Yeah. You can quickly get up and running with Fulma and you've got that type safety of, Oh, this thing has to contain this thing. Yeah. I can't be doing this mix and match across components. Right. Um, yeah, that's that's and that it, makes sense. And is is the the designer who's going to come in later and actually style your app going to be frustrated with how that works? I hope not. <laughs> um, whilst we've been doing projects, you know, we still have to do some CSS manually because right. there's always going to be some things that need to look different. Whether mm. it's client looking over your shoulder and saying, "Can that just be like one pixel shorter?" Nice. So you're still just that using client. CSS files that you're referencing as styles in the pages. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so we you're just, not breaking that model at all. No, because we're using Webpack at the end right. of the day. Yeah. Webpack just says, "All right, let me gobble up all these files. That let you've us got. munge the thing." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any client that wants a div one pixel shorter is going to be fired. There's uh, <laughs> always somebody. Always somebody. Who wants yeah. those little tweaks? Right. Can you make that pixel right there yellow? No. <laughs> Go away. Uh, debugging? or is, Of course, it's functional, so there's no errors of any kind. <laughs> <laughs> what is this debugging thing well, you speak of? Because you're still writing it in F-Shop, right. you've still got things like the F-Shop interactive window. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, oh, why is this thing not working? Well, because we've tried to embrace like fully functional concepts throughout the whole safe stack pipeline, right. whether it's front end, back end, wherever. It means that the functions you're likely building up are things that take in a value, return a value. Right. Which means that if you're in the F-Sharp interactive window and you just select the thing and run it in there and then run it with a few values, yep. you can start to see why is this thing breaking sure. or why is this thing not working as I expect it to. Must have been a monad. See, I said it. There monad, you go. monad, monad, monad. Kerr will be so much happier. That's right. But the other great thing is because we use Fable, Fable also generates source maps. Okay. So you can still go in to your web browser of choice, whether it's Chrome, Firefox, whatever, add a breakpoint right in your browser. And as your application runs in your browser, it's going to hit that breakpoint and you can see all your values that are currently. Wow. Scope. So we're stopped on a line of F sharp yeah. that actually was executing in JavaScript on a, in a browser. And you're seeing it in F sharp in yeah. the debugger. And we've also even included like Visual Studio code tasks. So it'll automatically attach the debugger onto your .NET Core process that's running your backend service. And you can use all the VS code debugger in there as well. Nice. Wow. That's wild. 
Yeah, do languages even matter anymore? When we, I, when it, when I was looking at the whole, oh, and it, we have a solution for client side. It's like, have you got F Sharp running in WebAssembly? Mm, that's what I thought too. Uh, no, they haven't even needed to do that. They're just mm. transpiling over to JavaScript and letting it go. Now, what about that? What about WebAssembly? If uh, Blazor, yeah. So is there is a thing, an alternative web framework in F Sharp called WebSharper, and they've been working on uh, WebSharper bringing in. Uh, WebAssembly support into Vez and through, uh, the Blazor project. It's not something we've looked at yet. Mm. Um, it's a case of there's so much to get perfect first sure. that for us, the gains of doing stuff in WebAssembly mm. right now aren't as great as the gains that we could have by making F sharp accessible to a lot more people. My, typical first project when I get into something new like this and you have to name your first project and I never name it hello I, I call it foom because that's the noise it makes when it blows up <laughs> thud <laughs> foom <laughs> yeah wow this is great stuff so um, tell me something you were you were talking about the samples and then yes. I, I sort of derailed you from that tell me about the samples yeah so Within the SafeStack organization on GitHub, there's this big application called the Safe Bookstore. Right. Which is an application that's designed to show off all manner of things within Safe. Okay. So it's got things like authentication in there. It's got integration with Azure. It's got deployment with Docker. And it's got a fair few endpoints. So you can start mm -hmm. to see how your front end interacts with your back end. Mm -hmm. It's got a few different pages in there as well. So you can see how you can build up a bigger spa with uh, Fable and Elmish. Mm -hmm. uh, we've also put together this safe dojo where it's a nearly empty F-sharp safe application. Hmm. And we go through in different stages and add new features. So ultimately, you end up with this project where you give it a UK postcode and it gives you additional information about that. Mm. So throughout it, you go and add like a map in there. You pull data in from an external API using all F-sharp idioms. Wow. And it's all got the instructions with it as well. So you can just follow through in your own time. I've also given that a few user groups now as well. Right. And mm. even people who have no prior exposure to F-sharp were able to follow along and understand what's happened. Great. And there's one other sample that we've put out recently, which is called Safe Search, which is a bigger application again, similar to the bookstore, but this is fully integrated with the Azure side of things. So it includes things like the Azure type provider to give yeah. you strongly typed access to all the data that you've got in Azure storage in mm. blobs and tables. Wow. It gives you wow. all integration with Azure Search as well using mm. a really nice search DSL called Kibolta, I think. Hmm. So there's plenty of bigger projects that people can look at if they want to understand how do I go from Hello World to Hello Enterprise World. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, different security models are going to play into that. Yeah. But I think the cloud will take care of a lot of it. I don't know if there's so much you need to really worry about in the F-sharp tier. Yeah, so because we're using things like Azure App Service under the hood, right. we mm -hmm. encourage people to use all the security that's provided yeah. there. Whether Azure it's, AD. All Azure AD, yeah. exactly, yeah. 
Right. Did any of this rely on um, newer features in F Sharp that weren't available before you started working on it? No. Everything that's come about here is stuff that's always been in F Sharp. Um, There have been some like iterative improvements to F Sharp since relating to like white space changes that people have picked up as being a source of like minor frustration now. Right. Because it doesn't quite fit into the absolute exact way that F sharp was imagined you'd be using these features. Mm. As an example, like the way you define UIs in F sharp tends to be with lists of elements where mm. elements then have lists of chart of children mm-hmm. all the way down. Right. Which is formatted in one way. Mm. There was a change to make it easier to format it. You know, you don't need to have everything in the exact right place now. It's a bit looser mm-hmm. with regards to how that all fits together. So does that bug the OCD among you? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't bug me too much. Uh, I know that there's a few people who indenting an exact style yeah. really irritates, but yeah. yeah. And whatever, white space. Yeah. Whatever works for you. Yeah. 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 CDO, you know what that is, right? OCD, but alphabetical. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Honestly. (laughs) Uh, uh, Security models when you're over on the AWS side, anything special we need to know? Uh, I've seen some chatter recently about people trying to integrate with Cognito. Right. The AWS managed identity platform. Right. I'm not certain on anything that's come out of that yet, though, but it'll be interesting to watch to see what happens there. Yeah, it is an interesting aspect of, you know, if you're going to switch clouds, there's platform pieces you care about, right? Yeah, yeah. And security is kind of a difficult one because it's so deeply embedded within your application. Absolutely, that, yeah. Yeah, it's not not a minor thing to get try and get right. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. I mean, I'm sold. Yeah. What, what more do we need to know, some, Anthony? Some of this. I mean, the important thing is it's all open source. Right. Yeah. So if somebody disagrees with everything I've said here, they're more than welcome to go and open a pull request and yeah. change the way that we do things. Do you tend to work in Visual Studio or how are you with VS Code in it with F Sharp? So I am almost entirely VS Code now. Nice. Mm. Like, like that. the Ionide extension is really nice for mm-hmm. working with F Sharp. Which extension is that? That's Ionide. So oh. it's a plugin that enables like F Sharp Autocomplete, F Sharp IntelliSense. All these kind of things that you actually want to use when you're, you know, potentially exploring APIs that you don't necessarily know. Right. And the other cool thing is within the safe template, once you do .NET new safe, it's actually got the suggested extensions you should be using within uh, Visual Studio Code. Like you're going to want these things and yeah. I and I being one of them. So if you've never done any F shop before and you install the template and then do .NET new safe, and open it in VS Code, it'll pop up a little bar in the bottom that says, hey, maybe you want to install these extensions. Nice. Wow. So it really is a tool for getting someone into F-sharp, into web development with F-sharp, yeah. and, this, and this tool stack, too. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Uh, anything special on the CI, CD side, like compilation steps, any other te- uh, sort of steps you want in the, in the, the process? That's any different from C-sharp? Well, the template generates a full build script. Um, right. It generates a fake script which has got either local deployment and building locally so you can do fake build run and it'll run your thing locally but Mm -hmm. also because it's just a fake command line script Mm -hmm. you can 
ship it up into wherever you're using your CI system and just run it as your command layer and do fake build deploy. Nice. Wow. So, yeah, I don't think there's much else that you need to concern yourself with. Yeah, I, I mean, you're, the only thing I'm thinking then is, what do I need to lean out the JavaScript or do I? Like how bulky is what's actually being shipped to the client hmm. after it's run through the transpilers? Yeah, so currently it is a little bit of a larger bundle size. Sure. You know, you're looking at a couple of hundred kilobytes. Right. There has been... You didn't say megabytes, man, so I'm okay. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> That's not bad. Um, we want to get it smaller, though. Sure. So there's a lot of work being done on the Fable side of things in an effort to try and get that down even further. Mm -hmm. Been looking at like alternatives to React as well, which might help bundle size. Right. So if you're in a situation where you've got a bunch of people who might be relying on 2G networks... Yeah. You know, there's a lot of different audiences around the world. Totally. Especially so, on the mobile side, right? Yeah. Bandwidth and latency get really serious. Yeah, exactly. So we want to make it as easy as possible for people to target those markets, even with F sharp. Yeah, just when the when the page size is styling, that's fine. We can strip that out. When the page size is byproducts of transpilation, that's yeah. harder to deal yeah. with. Hmm. This is all good news. Anthony, thanks. It's yeah, been what great. have we missed? Yeah, I know. Is there anything we don't know yet? I think that's about everything from Safe. Yeah, Although yeah. I'm sure somebody's probably going to end up telling me on Twitter, you completely forgot to talk about this thing. Something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. That's sort of reality. But now we got a great list of links here, too, for all the pieces that people want. So just start at the Safe site. Yeah, exactly. Uh, safestack.github.io. Yeah. And uh, easy, easy. everything you need is there, including the samples, and it'll kind of lead you down the path of glory. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Right. Well, thanks again, and uh, we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got transmitter bands by the FCC. Yes, I'm a dog.